Good morning, FFM and everybody else that's already tuning in. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get started a little bit early while everybody's logging on. Uh, we just wanted to uh, take a little bit of time to talk to you guys. And um, we're going to even give you a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look. Uh, we're going to bring Pastor Don up here in just a little bit, um, do a little behind-the-scenes look. But uh, something fun we've got going while, uh, while we're getting started, while you guys are getting ready. Um, we're going to throw up a little bit of a quiz bowl kind of deal. Um, this is something for you to do with, along with your kids, uh, to do along with them while you're at home. Um, so the same as we did last week, we want you guys to go ahead, take photos of you as a family worshiping together. Uh, that hashtag is FFM2020. Um, go ahead and hashtag that up. Send us your photos. We're excited. It was great to see all of those. So then along with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and throw this up on the, um, on the overhead here. We're going to see you guys uh, post a hashtag for FFM quiz. 2020. And there's a couple of questions that are going to be coming up for you guys um, throughout, the, uh, throughout the morning that put your answers up, hashtag that on there so we can see the answers. Uh, we might select a winner or do something like that uh, with a prize. Uh, trying to keep the kids involved. Uh, we're, we're working on getting the, uh, the sermon notes back up um, by next Sunday so that the kids can continue to fill those out, get them sent in to us, and uh, keep feeding them that candy. So uh, if you have any questions this morning, please uh, just go ahead and hit us up right there in the comments section. Um, if you're on Facebook and you want to do it on your TV, if you have Roku or Fire uh, Stick, you can uh, get on to the BoxCast 
uh, app, download that and just search for Firm Foundation Ministries and uh, we'll get you up on there. Pastor Don's going to talk about it here in a little bit with the offering. We've, we're going to have that. Hey guys, go ahead and throw that information up there for them actually. Um, well, how they can get on to the, uh, to the offering. Um, you know, we, we're going to continue to do ministry and we've got greater needs for doing ministry uh, than we've ever had before. Um, so we're going to continue to make sure that you have every opportunity to mail in your offering or to, to get right online from home and uh, get that in here for us. So um, one thing I'm excited about um, as a team, we've, we've grown over the years, and, and this is something I'm really excited about this morning, where in the you know, times like this where we look around for, for the positives, here's what I'm positive about. This morning, there are going to be more people on social media hearing about the name of Jesus than have ever heard it before. There, I mean, we're, we're actually, there's, there's concern out there that we may break the internet because of how many live streams are going to be going on this morning um, with, with churches getting on and busting outside of their doors. And, and instead of staying in, confined in our walls, we're busting out. And I mean, it, it would be frustrating to, to have everything go down, but at the same time, how cool would it be for the first time in the history of the internet to break, literally break the internet because of the name of Jesus? So that's something I'm excited about, and that's something we're we're really uh, excited to see what God's going to do this morning. Uh, the name of Jesus is going to be everywhere on social media this morning, and so that's why we're asking you to be a part of that by going down there and sharing it. Um, if you're watching on BoxCast, please jump on Facebook and share this on Facebook so that uh, your friends and family will see it on their feed, and they can, uh, they can access that. So for a really quick, we got a couple of minutes here. We're going to do a really quick behind-the-scenes look at what's going on this morning. So I'm going to call up Pastor Don here really quick, and uh, he's going to He's going to give us a quick run through, and I'm going to go grab the camera, and we're going to follow him around and uh, hear from him for just a few minutes. I mean, it's so good to see you all this morning. Thanks for tuning in. We're going to get our service started here in just a few minutes. Uh, our worship team is praying and, and getting ready. Our media team is ready. Uh, a few uh, months ago, uh, the end of last year, actually, I had a sermon where I talked about how the social media and the, is the toilet of the Internet and how so many bad things are happening there. And, and, and I said in that sermon that I felt like we needed to take over social media with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because of the coronavirus, look what's happening. Uh, just like Matt said, um, we have so much going on and so much opportunity now to share the gospel like we've never shared it before. Matt, are we going to go back to the media room back there? So we are going to go back to the media room here and just give you a little bit of uh, a view of some of the behind-the-scenes things that take place in order to um, make this happen for you, not only uh, now during the coronavirus, but also uh, what's been happening all along with our media and the things in the ministry. So as we walk back through here, uh, we're going to have an opportunity um, just to look and see what uh, the media team is doing and how they're actually bringing this to you. So as we walk in here, uh, you're going to get to see these guys. Hey, Mark and Joe and Dave, thanks for what you're doing, man. You make all this happen. If you've never seen uh, the setup inside of here of how they make the live stream happen and all the things that happen through the Internet, these guys work incredibly hard at making it happen. We're so thankful for them. And when you see them in church or whatever, tell them how thankful you are for making this happen. It's going to be an incredible uh, a Sunday as we continue to look at what it might mean 
uh, to continue this up for a few weeks. So um, we, we're, we're excited. Uh, we're going to get started here in just a moment as uh, the worship team has uh, been praying and getting ready for uh, Sunday service and, and just the way it happens. So we're excited that you're logged on. What we need you to do at this moment right now as we get started, um, we need you to share this. So if you're watching on BoxCast, pull up your uh, social media on your phone or your iPad or on your computer and go to our F FFM or Firm Foundation Ministries Facebook page and share the live stream right now. Or maybe you're on social media and that's how you're watching us. Share it right now. I'm with Matt. Let's break the internet. I mean, what better thing could we do than break the internet with the gospel of Jesus Christ? All over the world today, people are sharing the gospel. Churches are forced to go live. The church isn't closed, only the building. And as a matter of fact, think about this for just a minute. Because no one's allowed in the building, right, we have more opportunity than we ever have before to share the gospel in a powerful way. And today we're going to talk about that in our sermon. So we are incredibly blessed that you're here with us today. We're thankful for what you're doing. I want to just encourage you uh, in this to use the giving buttons. Uh, you can go on the FFM app and do that. Um, you can go right uh, through our webpage and do that. Or you can just mail in your offerings. Those will be a good thing for you to do to continue to give us resources. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes too. So we're going to go up here. The worship team is getting ready. And... Uh, Let's talk to them for just a minute. So, uh, Anne Renee, uh, tell us what you think about uh, being able to do worship this way. Like, uh, you guys are going to be singing, uh, besides the sound team that's back there and the media team that's in a hidden room back there, I'm going to be the only one in the audience. Do you feel special or what? Yeah, I mean, like, I've got my, I've got, you know, like a front row seat all by myself to this, this concert, this worship time uh, this morning. To me, it just... It's very different. We're leave, living a new season in our country, and it's very exciting. For us, it's bringing what we do at home into the, this building today. So in that, I want to encourage all the families to continue to worship together. If that's not something that you are used to doing it, and it might sound or seem weird, I encourage you today to start worshiping with your kids even more than you have before because the Lord is allowing you a very special time with your family where you can gather your kids like we gathered ours since they were babies, and here they are with us today for such a time as this, yes. where we step back and we allow this generation to come and lead us into the presence of God and lead us into worship. Amen. So today is your day, mom, dad, grandparents, friends, wherever you are, this is the day. It's a new season in our country, and we need to be grateful for it and not waste a minute. Amen. 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 Eddie, real quickly, um, how excited are you about this morning? Very excited. There's nobody here. <laughs> to do special dance, going to be jumping up and down, celebrating, worshiping. I just want to encourage you guys, as my wife said, just to worship together as a family. Uh, even if you can invite neighbors if you can. Or share share the live stream because it's very important that we take this time to to reach the people that cannot be reached, the people that doesn't go to church or go anywhere. They're stuck, 
So there's no sports on TV, so there's a great thing. Just let's, let's reach out and touch the people that need to be touched. Amen. We got uh, Breno back there in the drum cage. Uh, you can see him over there and Brenda uh, and Sean Brown this morning. And so uh, we're getting ready to get started here. So we are incredibly honored that you joined us on uh, this particular morning. And so uh, with that, we just want to welcome everyone into this place. Um, it's such a great honor to have you here with us this morning. Um, and you are here. You may be in your living room with your family right now, but you're here and we're with you. And being together has much more to do than just being in the same room together. Being together means we're on mission together. We're worshiping together. And I just encourage you to worship with us this morning. Stand like you normally do. Uh, sing the songs like you normally do. And worship in a, in a powerful way. I've got uh, a couple of announcements that I'd like to make before we get started inside of it. Um, number one, this is what it's going to look like for the next few weeks uh, for church. At least as long as uh, the local authorities are telling us that... Um, we can't gather because of the coronavirus, and we want to be good stewards. The fine line between faith and foolishness is always stewardship. And so honor is a big thing, and, and we're trying to do our part. And I know uh, you're not happy uh, about not being in the building, and neither am I, uh, worshiping together. But we are worshiping together, and that's the power of what our, our, our media team has been doing over the last few weeks. Um, so... Many of you have asked me about Easter and what's going on with that. Uh, today I was supposed to start the Easter sermon series, but as an eldership team, we're going to go in a different direction and speak directly to this. Um, and so what we're, what we're going to do now is, is we are going to just follow the, the advice of the local authorities. Church is probably going to look like this for the next few weeks at least. Um, we are anticipating with the date that we have that our first gathering back in here may be Easter Sunday morning. Um, and that's very important. We hope to be back together. Then we're praying for that. Um, we just don't know. Uh, and so many of you have asked me, what about the Easter offering? Uh, I know for years, uh, over 15 years, we have come on Easter and given our very best to our building project. And this year, uh, our Easter offering was going towards paving our parking lot uh, to give us better access in and out of our facilities and those things. As an eldership team, what we've decided in the midst of all of this is that we want to revision our Easter offering this year. And that means that we want our Easter offering, we need you to give like you normally had planned. But we want our Easter offering to be uh, a, uh, uh, a fallback, a, what we're calling it, a, 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 an offering that we can use to cover budget shortfalls in case uh, you have a smaller pool to give from because of work in your own life. Uh, what we realize as an eldership team is that we have full-time missionaries on the field that are depending on us, and they are our priority. They're a bigger priority than a paved parking lot. Can you say amen? And that's what we want to do. And so we're asking you to continue to pray and seek the Lord about your Easter offering. For now, we're going to revision it. Listen, we may not need it, amen, because God may pour out a blessing like nobody's been. That's what we're believing, 
uh, and uh, in the ministry, we've paused all non-essential spending in order to be a good steward over everything. So that's what's going to be happening on Easter. And as we go to the weeks closer to that, we want to make sure that you uh, know that and we'll keep you up to date about church services and those things. Um, I'm excited today as we get started in worship to have a great opportunity to give the world a greater access to the gospel of Jesus Christ than ever before. Some months ago, I told you as a church that social media was, was the garbage can of the internet and that I had a heart's passion and a desire to take over social media. And last summer, when our interns were here, they did so much with testimonies. They did so much with our sermon jams. So much was going on to social media. And I believe that was a prophetic statement because look where God's got us now. Churches only have the avenue of social media to project their services. And they're taking advantage of it. We should pray for all the churches that are doing that. That's why right now we need you to share it. We need you to share it as we go into worship. Just go on your device. Push share right now. And let the world experience Jesus. We promise you amazing time of worship and great uh, uh, preaching from the Word of God in the next few weeks. But it's going to take all of us to do it. Amen? And uh, we're encouraged by that. And so as we go into worship now, I just want to pray for us as we, as we move into those moments. And so uh, will you stand to, my, to your feet with me if we're at, we're at where you're at? And let's pray and let's go into worship. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we come before the King of kings and the Lord of lords to worship you in spirit and in truth. Jesus, you and you alone are worthy to be praised. And right now, God, all over this world, people have the opportunity to worship you right where they're at in their home, right where they're at. And so, Lord, we give this service to you. We pray that you come and fill not only this place, but fill every home right now across the Internet, all over social media with your Holy Spirit. Just take control, Jesus. We often wonder how revival is going to start, but, Lord, we never would figure that it could actually start from broadcasting worship across social media. Use it for your glory. What the enemy meant for evil, use it for your glory. So Jesus be Jesus in this place, in each home. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. We'd like to welcome you to our service as we begin worship. We're going to start worship with a new song, new song for our congregation. It's called We Praise You. Our praise is a weapon. We have an opportunity now to praise amongst our circumstances. So as we sing this new song, it's a very simple song. It's called We Praise You. So please join with us in singing.
like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we pray sing it again this we is what living this is what living looks like this is what freedom feels like this is what heaven sounds like we praise you we praise you this is what let everything that has breath praise the Lord we have an opportunity to thank him for his goodness thank him for his faithfulness he's a good God he's a faithful God
for your presence in this place. Just thank you, Lord, because we know that you are the God that cannot fail. You cannot fail, Lord. We can count on you that you are here with us, Lord. Just working through everything right now, Lord. Just pray you, praise you, Lord, this morning. Lift up and praise you because in the, when, in, when we praise you, there's no fear. Hallelujah. Sing with me. I count on one thing. Same God that never fails. You won't fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late. Who's working all things out. Who's working all things out. Yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Oh, yes, I will. Worship you, Just to praise, to 
There's power. There's power. 
praise is our weapon. All we have to do is trust in you, Jesus. This is how I find my battles. Sing it out with me, church, wherever you're at. This is how I fight my battles, with my hands lifted high. This is how I fight my battles. You fight for me, Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. Lift up your voice in faith. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I.
is how I fight my this past. This is how I stand on this God. This is how I fight my and past. And believe on his this word. This is how I. Because his word is. This is how yes, I fight and my name battles. Yes, and name me, Lord. This is how I fight my battles. One more time. Let's sing it out. This is how I fight every voice. survive through hard times even in famine they will have more than enough though they stumble they will not fall for the Lord holds them by the hand and he's taking care of us and um and I was reading about the Israelites and how God literally turned the precipitate of the sky into manna so that his people were fed and that they would have enough and that they would be sustained and so who are we um as the church as his people in this time to worry if God himself has proved to be our provider and our sustainer. We've seen lately that this world is so inconsistent. It's constantly changing. This life um, can easily just fade, but God has proved himself to be the only thing that stayed consistent and true and unchanging in this time, to be the only thing that we can fully depend on, the only thing that really matters. And he's made the church, his body, for such a time as this to not fear because he provides everything we need, every resource to do, everything he's called us to do. And Moses reminded, reminded the people to praise the Lord for what he's done and in every circumstance because he is always good, he's always in control, and he's always doing something, always working things together, whether if we can see it or not in our circumstance. And in him, the best is yet to come. So let's continue to respond with praise. Just let praise arise in each home and each family. Greater things are yet to come. 
Yeah, Lord, in this place right here, right now, God, we thank you. In every home right now, Lord. We thank you that, Lord, as we let praise arise, that our worship is our warfare. Lord, right now, in the midst of all of this, Jesus, we admit we're in a battle and we need you. But, Lord, we're comforted by the fact that you said in the Bible that the battle is the Lord's. This morning, God, we stand in the shadow of the Almighty, under the wings of your glory and your grace and your protection. If God is for us, who are what can be against us? We just declare that right now in the name of Jesus over every home, over every person who is listening right now. We declare it. God, we thank you for your presence that has been here. We thank you, Lord, that as we look at the world, God, we can lift our eyes and see the goodness of the Lord. So, Jesus, just be Jesus. Demonstrate yourself. We pray these things in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. Um, It's so good. Uh, to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and uh, we're excited about um, what God is doing and and how the Lord is moving and what God is uh, doing in our church and in our home and all these areas. And so we just encourage you to um, open up your Bibles. Before we go there, um, I just want to talk real briefly for just a moment about some things that we need to be talking about. Obviously, uh, as you're getting settled, you're getting your Bibles out, getting your families on your couch or, or your recliner or your lazy boy there, um, we want to just share with you that this is what church is going to look like for the next few weeks. And so um, we want you to be filled with anticipation for the goodness of God, as I believe that God is really going to be transforming some of the things that we do. Uh, we encourage you right now that if you haven't uh, given, you can just use the app. Go right there, and, and during this whole service, you can just give, and uh, you can um, use that opportunity to be a blessing uh, to the world around us. We promise that everything that's given is going to help us continue to minister to the community. We're encouraging you um, uh, to uh, love one another. We're encouraging you to call uh, each other during the week. Uh, Check on your neighbors and friends and uh, be the hands and feet of Jesus. Now, we want you to remember the hashtag, uh, hashtag 2020. Post the pics of your uh, family worshiping together. And let's take what the enemies meant for evil and use it for good. Amen. It's going to be really, really good. Uh, So we want to remind everyone uh, to to continue to just pray um, for our outreach ministries and everything that's going on as we continue to reach into the communities and just be uh, the hands and feet of Jesus. And so uh, this morning I was supposed to start my Easter sermon series, Uh, but as an eldership team we really felt like we needed to speak to uh, the current situation and the things that were going on. And so uh, I have decided and prayed and and put together, I think, a message that's going to speak directly to us from the Word of God about our current situation. And I've titled this message, A Crisis of Faith. A Crisis of Faith. 
And I want you to turn with me, if you can, in your Bibles to Psalms 91, and let's start at verse 3. Watch this. The Bible says, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. Now, if that's not highlighted in your Bible, you need to do it because that, that, is, an, that is a right now word. Verse 4, and he will cover you with his pinions and, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand may at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. And I just want to thank you right now for every home that is listening. I want to thank you right now that the word of God is penetrating every home. Even homes that might not normally be watching. God, let this word be an encouragement. Let those who, who maybe have not spent a lot of time in your word realize that your word has spoken for a time like this. God, let the word of God sink into our ear and, and be received in our heart through faith and encouragement. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now, I want to make this statement, and I want to make this statement very clear to everyone who's listening, and, and you're going to need to hold on to this statement because it's going to be highlighted in just a little bit. But I believe the future depends far more on what the church does than what any politicians do. I believe that the future from this particular outbreak, this particular situation, this particular struggle, I believe it depends more on what the church, the body of Jesus Christ does than any government can do on planet earth. The fact of the matter is governments are scrambling right now. They're struggling. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to get ahead. And every day there's some kind of new report about how uh, they're trying to do it. But the truth of the matter is they're always behind the ball. But let me tell you something this morning. How many of you know God is not behind the ball? God is on time. God knows what he's doing. And so the future of planet earth literally depends on the church right now. Not politicians, not, not governments. They're doing the best they can. But listen to me. The best we can ever do falls short of what God can do. I mean, the coronavirus is on the news every day. It is on the news every day. And these extreme actions that are being taken about the spread of this disease, it, it just consumes us. It's affecting commerce. It's affecting travel. It's affecting entertainment. It's affecting the, the one thing we never thought it could affect was sports. Shutting it all down. And when the President of the United States, President Trump, has declared a state of national emergency, it gets our attention, doesn't it? 
every day we hear about more and more states who are closing their, their states down and, and putting a, a four-week stay-at-home notice, all these kind of things. I want you to understand that I believe that the primary concern is not the current sickness or the death count. It's the potential devastation that this thing could cause. Uh, let's just go back in history a little bit because I'm a little bit of a history buff. In 1918, we, we know this thing, the Spanish flu spread across planet Earth. And it affected one-third of the whole planet's population. Two and a half billion people is what that would be equivalent to today. Think about that. If the coronavirus affected as many people as the Spanish flu did in 1918, it would be two and a half billion people out of seven billion on planet Earth. Now this, if you take those numbers, can explain to you a little bit why the government's response to this current pandemic is so dramatic. Many of us don't understand. Many of us believe in the, you know, the conspiracy theories. Maybe they're blowing it up. Maybe they aren't. Those type of things. Listen, I'm not as interested in that as I am interested in the opportunity that it gives us to demonstrate that God is alive and well. To be the church that God has called us to be. The truth of the matter is the Bible says a lot about plagues. The Bible goes on and on about how we should respond to plagues. The Bible teaches us how we can respond in a current situation by what it has said about past ones. As a Christian, I want to address what I think we should personally do as a church and as individuals about the current situation. Number one, here's what I'm going to say. Now watch this. I want us to exercise prudence and common sense. Prudence and common sense. I used to tell my daughter all the time, she was so book smart, she had all these things, and she could memorize things like nobody's business. I used to say this to her, book sense is great, education is great, and those things are going to get you a job, but common sense is what's going to help you keep it. Let me, let me give you an illustration of, of prudence and common sense used by Jesus Christ. And, and you know the story well. When Satan tempted Jesus to jump off the temple, think about this. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy chapter 6. And what did he say? He said, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. That's prudence and common sense. Jesus Christ was God in the flesh and jumping off the temple would not have hurt him at all. Come on, somebody. But Jesus knew that forcing the hand of God was a foolish thing. To test God or to tempt God in that way. And let me just share this with you. The moment we do something to try and prove God is the moment that we declare that we don't really trust God. The moment we do something to test God is the moment that we prove ourselves that we don't trust Him. Because, see, trust never employs tricks to find out whether the one trusted is trustworthy. Y'all need to write that down. Trust never employs tricks to find out whether the one trusted is trustworthy. And Jesus knew that. That was prudence and that was common sense. Maybe you don't read your Bible like I do. But that's what I see. 
It's one thing to take a step of faith in bold obedience to God, but it's another thing to initiate that action on our own purpose and our own strength, as Satan was suggested to Jesus. Hey, just throw yourself off the temple. If God is who he is, just throw you. And Jesus said negative. I'm not testing God that way. Let me prove it to you in the Old Testament. Watch this. Uh, we know the story well. When Israel came to uh, Kadesh Barna in Numbers chapter 13, uh, God had given them the land, and they were told to go in and possess it, right? And, and so what they did is they took 12 spies, and they sent these 12 spies out into Canaan. And Caleb and Joshua, those two guys, right? Caleb's a mountain climbing mad dog, and Joshua, right? He's the great general. Caleb and Joshua, they insisted to all the people that they would obey God with boldness and enter into Canaan. Because they believed that doing so in faith, because of what God had spoken to them, would show and demonstrate that God was with them. It wasn't like they predisposed an idea and said, we'll go in, and that'll prove whether God's with us. No, what they said was, God's already said he's with us. And so our faith in moving is an act of obedience, not the other way around. Think about it. It was actually an act of unbelief that the rest of the nation decided not to trust God when he told them to do that. He said, go in, and they said, no. In John chapter 8, the Jews picked up some stones. Think about this. They were going to throw at Jesus to kill him. And I think Jesus, in his response was incredibly interesting. Think about this for just a minute. Jesus at that moment could have worked a miracle. This whole crowd has gathered together, and they're going to throw stones at Jesus to kill him. Jesus at that moment could have literally worked any miracle he wanted to. He could have paralyzed those people. Boom. And they could have been frozen. He could have killed those people. Boom. And they would have been. He could have struck them down dead in that moment. Instead, what did he do? The Bible says he hid himself, and he walked right through them, and he got away. About this for a minute. Here's my point. In the absence of a divine command to do otherwise, to do something other than God has told us to do, means we'd be acting without prudence, but God calls us to act with prudence, doesn't he? I say this all the time. When we don't know what to do, do what we know. It's not that complicated. We know how to pray. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. We know how to worship. We know how to, to share the love of Jesus Christ. What God is encouraging us to do is to not act presumptuous, not be driven by pride. Faith, my friends, always acts in obedience. Now, I want to give you a couple of extremes here that I think we should avoid as I've been working through this. One is that presumption that because we are the, the king's children, that we don't have to deal with any of this. Because we belong to God, then we're not exempt from the human experience. Because we are children of God, because we are, are born again, because we're in the kingdom of God, that God will take care of us as we trust and obey him. But we got to understand that we still live in mortal bodies. 
So to act presumptuous because we're the king's kid is foolish. Think about this. The fine line between faith and foolishness is stewardship. God has called us to steward our lives. Number two thing we shouldn't do is panic. Listen, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He has not given us a spirit of fear. Listen to David's confidence in Psalms chapter 27. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord, the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I think that it's passages like this that, that, that the Holy Spirit uses to bring assurance and confidence to our hearts. If you look at the, the fruits of the Spirit, not listed among them at all is fear. Fear is not a fruit of the Spirit. Instead, faith and peace are fruits of the Spirit. Isaiah chapter 26, it's one, of the, it's one of the scriptures that I have my disciples memorize. And it says, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. And then in verse 4, it says, trust in the Lord forever. For in Yah, the Lord is everlasting strength. We don't have to react to problems the same way the world reacts. Why? Because God is with us. Somebody say amen. We look at him as a source of, uh, of protection. Listen, I believe we're going to be fine. We shouldn't panic. But we should act with prudence and common sense. The next thing I think you really need to focus on as we think about what's happening and what comes and what's going forward in the days to come. Listen, we don't know every moment on the news is a new update and a new thing. What will happen to jobs? What will happen to schools? What will happen? I mean, some of our, all of our college students have been sent home already. All of our high school students, and all of our school, all of our children are home from school right now. We don't know if they're going back. We don't know. We don't know if some of our jobs are going to be laying off employees. We just do not know from one moment to the next what's going to happen. And so what we need to be doing at this moment we need to be seeking the Lord. Can I say this to you real I want you to write this down because I think you need to write it in your Bible. You need to do it. Put it somewhere where you don't forget it. Every crisis is a call to seek the Lord. Let me say that again. Every crisis is a call to seek the Lord. Somebody say amen. I literally believe that sometimes events happen to wake us up. It's a wake-up call, especially for the Western church, the Western world church. We are so comfortable. We, 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 have, we have everything we need, and, and we live in such a way as Christians to our comfort that sometimes we, you ever been so comfortable in your lazy boy that even though you were watching a very good movie, all of a sudden you wake up and the movie's over? You didn't even realize you fell asleep. You were so comfortable. Boom. That even though what was happening was so good, boom, you just fell asleep. That happens to us in church. We are so comfortable. We don't suffer. Literally, the Western world church ha hasn't suffered. 
We don't suffer persecution. We live in a country that gives us freedom to worship, gives us liberty to do that. The rest of the world, it, it's, it's where we are not seen. So we get to the place of comfort that God comes and gives us a wake-up call. Let me prove it. Israel was God's chosen people. Somebody say amen. But at times they came very slack. At times they became so slack in their service to the Lord. What they were doing is they were presuming on God's goodness. And you know what that does? Presuming in God's goodness always leads us to idolatry. Let that set in. Presuming on God's goodness always leads us to idolatry. You say, I don't worship an idol. Let's see. Presuming on God's goodness can make you worship self. Self-centeredness. Selfishness. All of these things. Think about it. Let me prove it to you. Right now, everyone who's listening to me, how upset are you that we can't come to church like we normally do? Think about it for just a minute. Man, it, it violates my schedule. This is what I'm so used to doing. It's not, it's not normal to sit in my living room and watch church. Maybe not for you, but for the rest of the world, it might be. Think about the churches that are, the underground churches that are hiding. Where do they worship? In secret. Where do they worship? In their homes. They don't have a building like this to come to. But see, presuming on God's goodness for us always leads to idolatry. And we wind up worshiping the building. And not God. We wind up worshiping the ministry and not who we are as God's people. And God will stir us up. See, God has done this so perfectly to allow us to be so stirred that like, like he would literally allow the building to be closed so the church would finally be open. So y'all not helping me. See, we might open the doors of the building every Sunday, but I wonder, has the church really been closed? Now we're experiencing something that is getting us out of our comfort zone. And I'm going to tell you right now, if it challenges idolatry in our life, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing. And you've got to understand, when Israel would, would presume on God's goodness and fall into idolatry, God, instead of wiping them out, what he would always do is he would send trouble to stir them up. Oh, y'all don't like that? I don't have a trick Bible, but you... Chat, you check and see if I'm wrong. You can fact check that all you want to. Here's my greatest concern for America. My greatest concern for America right now is that we would respond to this current crisis with our resources and our intellect instead of seeking the Lord. This is why the elders are encouraging you to join Breno's live prayer each day. Hello, somebody. Six o'clock, Breno's committed to doing this and, and, and maybe even hosting one of those events. Breno's like, be careful about how many people you say. I might not be able to get to everybody's house who's, who wants to host a prayer event. And if that's true, don't be offended. Just join us in prayer. 
Right now, do you, you have no idea the list of people that have already said, Breno, will you come to our home? We want to host it. And he, he's not going to be able to get to everybody. But he is committed to doing this. And we're, we're joining that as an eldership team. We're saying, get on at 6 o'clock every night on FFM social media page and just share the prayer meeting. It's only an hour out of your day. But listen, an hour of prayer is stronger than all of the centuries of resources that we have and intellect that we have. We can pray and trust God in seeking the Lord. It's time for America to seek the Lord and return to Him and stop trusting on our intellect, stop trusting on our money, stop trusting in our comfort, and start believing in Jesus Christ. It's time to do it now. This crisis is a crisis and a call to seek the Lord. It's one thing to have a confidence in trusting the Lord. It's another thing to pridefully think that we can handle this thing through scientific advancements. We have to trust and pray for God's wisdom. We have to look to the Lord for victory and not assume that we can handle it without Him. I don't know about you, but I'm encouraged by the pictures that I see from the White House of, of, of Vice President Mike Pence hosting prayer meetings in the White House. Whether we agree with him politically or not, but when the heads of the country begin to return to seeking the Lord, you better know that God's presence is coming and that his answer is on the way. Let me just let me illustrate this in a powerful way just so you get it. Prior to 1918, when the Spanish flu invaded planet Earth, prior to that, the world was boasting about its scientific accomplishments. Yes, it was, especially in the achievements of medicine. So from 1818 to 1918, so many advancements happened medically and with medicine. For a century, there was a boom of scientific medical breakthroughs. One would trump another. It would just go on and on. Researchers developed vaccines for diseases like smallpox, like anthrax, like rabies, like meningitis. In that hundred years, all of those things began to fall because of our medical advancements. And it was in that context that the world was hit with something that it was ill-equipped to handle called the Spanish flu. Just at a moment in time when we thought we were above everything and that medicine could handle everything. Something happened. We were ill-equipped to happen. Do you know what else happened during that time? We built a ship that we said was unsinkable. Its name was the Titanic. During that same time period, God began to allow America's pride to be challenged. Proverbs 16 says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That principle holds true today just as it did back then, not only for nations, but for individuals. Now, we all know the promise of 2 Chronicles 7, 14, right? It says, if my people will call by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. And you and I believe right now, we need God's healing in our land. Come on. Absolutely. 
But to understand the context of that verse, you better read verse 13. Watch this. Verse 13 says this. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send a pestilence among my people. Verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, then will I hear from heaven. And they turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear them. See, don't forget verse 13. You say, Pastor Don, do you God has sent this plague? I don't presume ever to speak to the intent of the Lord. I do know that nothing happens without his sovereign will being in the middle of it. This passage begins with a situation in which trouble has come. Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles. And that word, pestilence, can literally be translated plague. They work the same. Come on, somebody. My question is in this, then what response is God looking for from me? What God response then in the middle of all this is God looking for from us? Well, first it begins with humbling ourselves. It sounds courageous to stand up in a crisis and say, we can defeat this. It does. And if we do like that with the same mindset as Caleb and Joshua, that the Lord is with us, it's a good thing. But in a crisis, we should be humbling ourselves, not boasting of our self-sufficiency. Come on, somebody, come on. A pandemic should remind us of our, mor our morality and that we need God. Second thing we've got to do is pray. Now, we touched on this briefly. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. How many of you are anxious right now? Come on. How many of you are full of anxiety right now? Listen, we don't know if we should go or come. We don't, we don't know if we should lock ourselves in our house we don't know if we should hug each other. We don't know if we should shake hands. We don't know if we should be in the same room with one another. We don't know if we should go to the grocery store, if we should go to work. How many of you are anxious right now? Come on. We don't even know if we should be around our kids or our grandkids. We don't know. It's the world is so full of anxious, yet the Bible tells me to be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ. Listen, I want you to understand, we are given the promise of peace by God when we pray. We are given the promise of peace by the Lord himself when we pray. When we declare our dependence on God, he gives us a promise of peace. And let me just say this to you. I want you to be very clear. Don't mistake what I'm about to say. When the church forsakes her call to be the house of prayer, God will always send something that will turn her back to prayer. I said, when the church forsakes her call 
to be a house of prayer. Her call to be a house that is dependent upon God for everything. God will always send something that calls us back to himself. God will always send something that calls us back to saying, Lord, we need you. God, we've got to depend on you. Nothing else. Listen, right now in this moment, if we ever needed God, everyone's admitting we needed God. Because we ain't got no medicine. We, we ain't got anything to deal with it. Listen, the world is shutting down because of this thing. And I'm telling you right now, if you don't have God, you need God. If you don't have him in your life, you better get him in your life, right? This is not a time to argue about your theology and what you believe or don't believe. This is a time to put your faith in Jesus Christ so he can be your shelter in a strong storm, so that he can be your tower in the time of distress. The early church is an example for us. When trouble came, you know what they did? Pray. That's what they did. The Bible says they gathered from house to house to house. You read it. It's in your book. And that's what we're doing. We're, we're saying it's time to pray. It's time to pray. In the Old Testament, Daniel is the same guy. He exemplifies this in such a way. When trouble came, what did Daniel do? He prayed. Of all the people in Babylon, do you know who was the most educated? Daniel. was no one more educated than Daniel. Yet when trouble came, he didn't trust in his education. He didn't trust in his knowledge. He didn't trust in anything but the Lord. It is time to seek God, church. When the church forsakes her calling to be the house of prayer, God will send something to turn us back to our dependence upon him. I'm going to be honest with you right now. I want you to hear me with your good ear. I hope we do more than put on masks and wash our hands. Hello, somebody. I hope we do more than just put a mask on our face and wash our hands and carry a bottle of sanitizer. I hope we seek the Lord for his solutions. We need his wisdom, church. We need his guidance, church. We need his power to work on our behalf. He can turn this around for the furtherance of the gospel. That's what we need to be doing. We need to be seeking the Lord. Like never before. And you don't need a church building to pray. You don't need a church hour to pray. And the truth of the matter is, the, the, the most time that most Christians pray in the Western world is when they pray at the church hour. And then they don't even pray. They let other people pray for them. See, if this is teaching you how to pray and seek the Lord every day, come on, somebody. Hey, you know the next thing we need to do? We really need to be seeking the face of the Lord. Not just his hands to protect us, but his face so that relationally we are connected with him. You see, in times of trouble, you know what gives you peace? The strength of relationship. Come on, some of you married people. You know when you're going through marriage crisis, the reason that you don't have any peace? Because you do not have a strength in your relationship with your spouse. Listen, if you've got a strong relationship with your spouse in times of trouble, you're not worried. There's a peace that you work through it. You'll say, hey, we're not going anywhere. We're sitting right down here. We're going to figure this thing out. Why? Because I'm for you and you for me and we are for each other. It's relationship. It works the same with God. It works the same with God. It's not always about what we want from God. It's submitting ourselves to him with pause to say, Jesus, I just want to have relationship with you. Listen to me. I believe this time 
this situation is actually a reprieve. An opportunity for the church to start praying instead of entertaining. I'm preaching this morning. I believe this is a reprieve from the hand of God. And it is a time for the church to stop with all this focus on entertaining. And it is a time to get back for the church to start being the church. Listen to me when I say that the future of planet earth depends far more on what the church does than what any politician does. Will we get further reprieve? If a remnant will pray, God said he will hear and he will heal our land. Come on, somebody. Let me tell you what the answer to coronavirus is. Prayer. Oh, yeah. Hey, Pastor Don, they got some positive results from some rheumatoid arthritis meds. Hey, I'm paying attention to that because my wife has rheumatoid arthritis. They've got some positive prayer from some malaria drugs. They've got some positive feedback, not prayer, but feedback from some, some combining these drugs with Z-Packs and those type of things. And I'm all for that, amen, right? I'm ready for that to happen, but I'm telling you right now, if all we're doing is trusting in the power of medicine, we'll never find an end to this thing. We better believe that God needs to be involved. We need to pray. You need to notice that phrase in 2 Chronicles 7, 14. In answer to prayer, he says he will forgive our sin and heal our land. Church, listen to me. He can heal the land from unjust politicians. Y'all better hear me. He can heal the land from unjust laws. He can heal the land from an economic crisis. And he will heal the land from this current outbreak of this disease. He said he would do it. danger is that we look at coronavirus from humanistic eyes we must not leave God out of the picture listen to me church very clearly God has brought us to the kingdom for such a time as this you should be excited that you are in the kingdom of God and you have an opportunity to be a part of the church right now on planet earth I believe that this is a worldwide wake-up call and an opportunity of a lifetime. Listen, we've said it and we're going to continue to say it. Never in our lifetime or in the history of planet Earth has so much preaching gone forth on the Internet as it is today right now at this moment. I got up this morning early to pray and go back over some things with God and those type of things and, and I flipped on the computer and as I was rolling through Facebook some of the relationships that I have over uh, in the eastern world like the UK and, and England and all them they're five hours ahead of us they were already up and, and having church services and I couldn't click through my feed without some of those friends posting their live feed from their church and I'm like Lord they're already preaching it's already going never has there been more preaching on the internet and think about all those people who don't go to church that are usually at home maybe watching sports or doing those things and they're running through the internet right now and guess what? They can't help but to stumble across a feed somewhere somehow of Jesus being proclaimed. Never have we had such an opportunity as we have right now. The gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward. And you might tell me, Pastor Don, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a Sunday school uh, teacher. I'm not one of those persons. I don't really know how to help or how to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. Just push share. 
Just push share. You're preaching the gospel. Watch what happens. Last night, as Breno and Matt and Elizabeth Stutzman were doing the prayer from 6 to 7, we, at the end of that, do you know that 1,500 people joined us during our prayer? 1,500. How much will that increase as the weeks go along? You better get ready because this may be the norm for a while to come. This may prove whether we really are committed to the church as a whole or just to our way of viewing church. The church isn't closed, just the building. As a matter of fact, I think the church is finally open. Hello, somebody. I believe the church is getting ready to be released from its building and pushed by the hand of God out into the world. And I'm, my prayer is that he empower us by the Holy Spirit to bring healing and salvation that Acts chapter 4, verse 31 would literally become a reality in our lifetime. I got to move on because I can preach myself happy in moments like this. The last condition of 2 Chronicles seven fourteen is that we would turn from our wicked ways. Y'all not going to like this. But some preachers got to say it. Your wicked ways might not be the same as mine. But they are all a departure from the commandments of God. Somebody say amen or oh me. Uh, let's just take this. I'm watching the current uh, impact on, of coronavirus. And I'm amazed at the impact that it's having on the economy of the whole world. Now, you, like me, are probably interested in that because we've all got retirements and investments. We've all got things and savings and those type of things. And right before our very eyes, in a short period of time, we're watching those things slip away, watching those things slip away. All those things that we had banked our comfort on slipping away from us. And there's nothing we can do without, about it except for trust the Lord. Trust the Lord on somebody we got to turn from our wicked ways listen to this when god struck egypt with plagues he wasn't just dealing with people he was striking false gods god was dealing with false gods and what god was doing through the plagues of egypt is he was demonstrating the weakness of those false gods and god's judgment came on the economy of egypt Hello, somebody. Yes, it did. It came on the economy of Egypt. How much of the world's commerce is driven by greed? We, we just heard this week four uh, uh, senators came out of, or, or congresspeople, whoever they are, politicians came out of a secret meeting about what was happening, top secret information, and they used that top secret information to do insiding trading. And they sold a bunch of stocks before the stock market crashed. Remember when Martha Stewart went to jail for insider trading? How much of the world's economy, come on, is driven by greed? How much confidence are people placing in their retirement accounts and in their savings? Let me say this to you. What if the bottom falls out? What if the bottom falls out from underneath all of that? Will we trust the Lord 
or will we jump from a 20-story building? I'm asking the question because I want to say this, and I want you to hear me very well this morning. Sometimes God shakes things to bring us back to the basics. I said, sometimes God shakes things in order to bring us back to the basics. And the basic of Christian faith is trusting God Almighty. It happened at the end of the 20s during the Depression at a time when God, when, when, when God says to us, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way. And I personally believe that God always wants us to do it the easy way, which is to trust Him. In the book of Amos, God pleads with his people. God pleads with his people in the book of Amos. He sent out a chastising. And it was designed to bring them back to their senses. Yet, they didn't repent. Let me, let me just read it to you if it's alright. Uh, from Amos chapter 4. And I'm going to start at verse 6. He says, I gave you cleanliness of teeth in all your cities. And lack of bread in all your places. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I also withheld rain from you when you were yet three months to the harvest. I would send rain on one city and send no rain on another. One field would have rain and the field on which it did not rain would wither. So two cities or three cities would wander to another city to drink water and would not be satisfied. Yet you did not turn to me, declares the Lord. I struck you with a blight. And with mildew, your many gardens and your vineyards, your fig trees, your olive trees, and the locusts devoured. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I sent among you pestilence after the manner of Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword, and I carried away your horses. And I made the stench of your camp go up into your nostrils. Yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And you were as a brand. Plucked out of the burning, yet you did not return to me. Therefore, thus I will do to you, O Israel. Because I will do this, you will prepare to meet your God. Now that is a sobering scripture. And what I want you to hear from that scripture is not a cursing. What you need to hear from that scripture is the sadness of the heart of God Almighty. You didn't return to me. You didn't trust me. You didn't believe in me. He repeats those words, yet you didn't return to me. Now some of you might say, oh, God wouldn't do all of that. He's a good God. Oh, but he does all of that because he is a good God. It's all designed to bring us into right relationship with him. And nothing, nothing is more important to God than that. His eternal relationship with you is far more important than your temporal comforts. Nothing could be more sobering in the scripture than a statement from God Almighty himself that says, prepare to meet your God. Come on, church. What could be more sobering, sobering than a message from God Almighty that says, you better get ready to meet me. You better get ready to stand before me. You better get ready. Prepare yourself. That means God is planning on a meeting. Hello, church. You might be putting it off. You might say, I've been hearing that for years, and, and I just don't believe it's true because they've worn it out. Listen, when God says something, he means it. He is preparing to meet us, and we need to prepare to meet him. And so we should trust the Lord. We should trust the Lord. 
When you are walking in the light, you are protected by God. Come on, church. He's able to do and work all things together for good. He says that to us. He's able to redeem any situation and turn it towards his purposes. Quickly, as we get close to our time here, I want you to think for a moment. Go back to the Old Testament with Joseph and his brothers. It was horrible what his brothers did to him. It was, a, it was intended to be an evil action. The suffering that Joseph experienced was real. Come on. But God redeemed even that and worked his purpose of salvation. Think about it. In the end, Joseph could say to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And then he added, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Death is what surrounds us right now. If we get this virus, will we live? If we get this virus, we might die. Death is the word that surrounds us right now, yet God would surround us with this statement to say, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people, alive can I say this to you with every pastoral bone that's in my heart God is always always seeking to save that which is lost we can trust God for the protection for ourselves and our loved ones we can pray for God's mercy on the lost because God is not willing that any of them should perish a crisis causes people to return to God come on church a crisis opens up people's ears to the, the, the love of God or to the, the ability of God or to even to the, the preaching about who God is in a time when their ears would normally be closed because of their comfort. Something very good can come out of this if we, the Lord's people, seek Him and trust Him. I was encouraged to read this. About how the Christians in Wuhan, China, where it all started, were going out into the streets and proclaiming Christ. The Christians were going out. They were leaving the church and proclaiming Christ. They were coming out from hiding and proclaiming Christ. I want to say this to you. In America... We may celebrate the fact that we don't have to hide to have church. But the very fact that you are so violated that you can't come to a building on a Sunday morning and worship proves the point that you have been hiding. Amen or oh me. We have been hiding in the comfort of our buildings and God has shut the front door and it is time for us to take the examples of the Christians of Wuhan and go out and preach the gospel. Share the love of Jesus. They're an example to us and I've been praying, you've been praying for a great harvest of souls but what we've been praying is that the harvest comes to us that we don't have to do any work but you never have to do that. If you are going to harvest something you got to get out into the field and get after it.
If there's a harvest of souls, church, we're going to have to get out in the fields. We go, and the Bible says that the fields are white under harvest. You've got to go into the fields to get the harvest. When those opportunities come, my, que- my question is, will we, by the grace of God, set aside our own self-preservation to proclaim the gospel to the lost? When we are the center of God's will, we don't have anything to fear. Again, prudence with common sense. The fine line between faith and foolishness is stewardship. Come on, church. Because the Bible does say that if you drink or touch any deadly thing, it will not hurt you, Mark chapter 16. The promise is given in the context of proclaiming the gospel, not getting out and being stupid, not standing in spiritual rebellion. And I know there are some people right now who are saying, oh, the church should rebel against what the local authorities are asking us to do. No, they haven't asked us to not preach the gospel. As a matter of fact, Matt Stutzman and I looked it up. And right now, the state of Michigan has declared churches as an essential thing. They're closing down non-essential services, but on their statement, as far as things that can stay open, like grocery stores, like gas stations, they've declared churches are essential. That is amazing. They're not asking us to sin. They're asking us to help them. And we can serve. We can still preach the gospel. Look what we're doing. And so this is not a time when I would agree that we should stand up and say, in a type of spirit of rebellion against local authorities, I think you're not being a good steward. I'm going to get some emails. But you know what? I don't care. Because I'm not responsible or accountable to them. I'm accountable to God. Paul was on a mission. The protection of God surrounds the proclaiming of the gospel, not just being spiritually rebellious. The promise is giving in the context of preaching the gospel, and we can preach the gospel. God was on a mission from God when he was bit, or Paul was on a mission from God when he was bit by a viper. Come on. And he shook it off into the fire, and it didn't harm him. That's a supernatural event that got the attention of pagans on an island. Think about this. Believe in the assurance that we are given in Psalms chapter 91. You need to have this highlighted in here. You need to pray through it every morning. Believe in that assurance. He's able to shield us if we will look to him for protection. God used the first three plagues in Egypt to do a work in his people. As well as in Egypt. Go back and look at it. The first three plagues were designed to work not only in Egypt, but in God's people too. When that work was done, then God made a distinction between his people and Egypt. He protected his people from destruction. For the Egyptians, those plagues meant destruction. Think about this. For God's people, they resulted in redemption. Here's the key factor. In the very last plague was the blood on the doorpost. It's a type of blood of Christ applied to a believer's heart. I said in the very last plague, the answer 
was the door, the blood on the doorpost. The very last place, the answer was the blood on the doorpost. Now, I need you to listen to me very carefully because I'm going to take a few moments here to get very personal. When God saw that blood, he passed over. I said, when God saw the blood on the doorpost in Egypt, the death angel passed over and they were not harmed. I want the camera to focus. This camera right here, focus on me right now. And I want to talk to you. Right now, if you're not a believer, you need the blood of Jesus Christ in your life. Right now, if you are not a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have not been washed in his blood, you need the blood of Jesus applied to your life. His blood will not only save you, but it will protect you. And I'm pleading with you right now where you're at, where you're sitting, in your living room, at your office, whatever you're doing right now, in the name of Jesus, will you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior? Will you let the blood that flowed from Calvary over 2,000 years ago wash and cleanse you from your sins? Will you apply the blood to the doorpost of your life, which is your heart, that in a time like this you could know that you are protected? This is a time for you to receive Christ. For all of you who are God's people and have the blood of Jesus Christ applied to the doorpost of your life, this is not a time to fear. This is a time to press in. This is a time to be bold in our faith. This is a time to be honoring in our actions to local authorities. This is a time to literally step outside the four walls of the church. And so here's what I want to do. I want to pray this prayer. For all those who may be listening right now who are not saved. If you want to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ right now. You and your family. If you want the blood of Jesus Christ to be applied to the doorpost of your life. I need you to pray with me right now. I want you to pray with me right now. Come on, bow your head and let's pray. Father, I'm a sinner. I was born into brokenness. I was born into sin. And right now, I repent of my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness. As I ask for your forgiveness, I thank you that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my sin and unrighteousness. It washes me as white as snow. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior right now. Satan, I renounce you in all your ways. I am a child of God, washed by his blood. And the blood of Jesus Christ that saves for all eternity is now applied to the doorpost of my life. And I have the confidence to know that God is my salvation. He is my Savior. And not only will he save me from this pestilence, but he has saved me for all eternity. Thank you, Jesus, for my salvation. Pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, I want to encourage you to trust him, church, to watch over you. 
I want to encourage him to, you to let him empower you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to say to you right now that the future of planet Earth depends on what the church does at this moment. Right now. Then I'm asking everyone who's a part of Firm Foundation Ministries to help us. Help us. That means sharing every bit of the information our ministry is doing through social media. It's the only contact we have with the world right now. Share it, share it, share it. That means giving sacrificially. That means all of us coming together. The Bible says in Acts that they had all things in common so that when they didn't have enough, they piled their resources so that everyone did. And so this now, more than ever, is the time for us to pile our resources. I met with the leadership of our church and I said, hey, we've got to, we've got to look at our spending and all non-essential spending has got to go out. And then I went home and I sat down with my wife and I said, if I'm asking our church to do it, we have to do it also because we want to continue to be givers. Think about it. We have full-time missionaries on the mission field in countries whose borders are closed. They couldn't leave if they wanted to right now. And their only source of income is us. Now's the time, church, to pour in and pour out and watch what God will do it. My pastor always taught me, you met him a few weeks ago. Honor God with everything in your life, especially your first fruits, and he will always honor you. And as a ministry team, we're saying right now, the future of planet Earth depends on what the church will do right now. Sure, there's a government bailout plan, but I'm going to say this to you, church. They can only print so much money. We have got to trust in the Lord. This is a message right now. This is a rama word word for us right now. To trust him to watch over us and empower us to minister peace and healing to everyone around us. Will you join us? I know you will. I'm going to ask you if you're sitting down right now, stand to your feet. And we're going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're a good God. We don't presume upon your goodness with a presumption that leads us into a comfort of idolatry. Instead, Lord, we want to take your goodness and be so sensitive. We believe that the future of planet Earth depends on the church of Jesus Christ right now. Empower us with your presence. And we promise to be as contagious with the gospel as coronavirus is with sickness. We pray these things in your precious name. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We love you. Listen, if you need anything, please contact the ministry. Love on each other. Call four or five people a day and check on one another. God bless you. We'll see you soon.